Hi, I'm Terry O'Reilly, founder of OBP Australia, a service for overseas-born professionals looking to either get their first job in Australia or advance their career once they're established in their profession. Welcome to the podcast. Each episode, I'll be talking to an ex-OBP Australia client who's been successful in finding employment in Australia. We'll get to hear about their journey and what advice they have for job seekers. Omid is a registered architect and registered landscape architect with over 15 years of experience in Australia, the UK and the Middle East, contributing to architectural, urban and environmental projects with responsibilities including design and documentation, research and report writing and project management. I first met Omid in 2015. He struck me as passionate, creative and open-minded about his options in Australia. After seven years working for architectural firms in Australia, he's decided to start his own business, Omid Architects, which will no doubt bring him independence and flexibility and the associated challenges of going it alone. Omid, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Now, it's been a while since we spoke, but I think we first met in 2015. That's right? Uh, It is, actually. We met in 2015 for the first time, yeah. So take yourself back to when you first arrived in Australia. Can you remember how you felt in the first few weeks and months? Uh, The first few weeks and months, uh, actually, it was very confusing for me because uh, my expectations from Australia and what I had in mind was completely different from what I experienced in those few months. Uh, I was confused and I did not know what to do or not to do. But uh, when I take myself back, I, I realized that it's very natural for an overseas person when they migrate to some, uh, you know, another country, no matter how you think you are familiar with the culture of that country. So I can say that I was totally confused and lost, although I had the experience of living in the UK for a couple of years. Right. So you talk about expectations and reality. Tell us what that actually means. Can you think of some examples of where you thought something might be like this but it wasn't when you actually experienced it uh well i always uh um uh, compared australia to the united kingdom and 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 in that regard because because i thought that okay this is a british colony or used to be a british colony and, and people speak english so it should be very similar so i expected that what i see in australia to be very close to the United Kingdom, but it wasn't actually. And uh, uh, let's say it is not as well developed as the UK, and it is not a, it is not a proper developing it is not a proper developed country in compared to the UK. In fact, it is a developing country, and it makes a big difference if you move from a developed country to a developing country. You know. If, if you think that it's a developed country, you come with different expectations. But when you see that it's actually a developing country, you, you realize you know, another aspect of the, com- uh, uh, the, the country. So, so that uh, was, and I found that 
and although Australia takes a lot of immigrants, but, well, and I'm talking about those few weeks and months, and I'm in Western Australia, which is very different, which might be very different from Melbourne or Sydney. Uh, I've realized that although you see a lot of immigrants in Australia, it is not as mixed as UK, and people are not as familiar as the as people in the UK with different cultures and with different type of uh, people. You know that that basically shocked me the best, the, 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 the most. Do you think that's to do with the difference in the population and the density and the? I think geographical it, isolation, perhaps, or is there something? Geographical isolation, yeah, yeah, because, uh, yeah, it, it, it definitely has something to do with uh, geographical isolation. And, you know, no matter how you try hard, you cannot, well, people in Australia are not as, mm, uh, let's say, um, are it's not easy for Australia people to move around and, and, and see other cultures and see how, how it works in any other country, you know? So they have their own, they have developed their own standards, their own setup, their own um, norms, okay? Uh, based both in social norms and, you know, uh, work-related norms. So uh, this is something to do with geographical isolation, definitely, especially in Western Australia. Yes, um, it, it really is quite a separation between the East and the West in Australia as well. Perth is almost like a, a separate country in many ways. Yeah, and this is this is actually another shocking when I first came because I thought, okay, Australia is Australia and it's one country and okay, everything works the same. But in fact, it it doesn't work the same across different states. You know, your experience, what you experience in one state might not be one hundred percent applicable applicable in another state. You know, and this if you go to another state, especially if you're looking for a job. Uh, you might find that mm, your work experience is not 100% transferable to, the, uh, to, to, to to other states. It's 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 somehow strange, but it is. Uh, after a while, you realize why, and it all makes sense. But if we talk about those few weeks and months, you know, lots of things come to your mind, and you start comparing Australia to other countries that you have been, and you start to see both strength and you know um, weaknesses and 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 you see both opportunities and and, and loss of opportunities or lack of opportunities both and on, on both sides actually but yeah it's an interesting period of time when you enter australia and given those differences that you've identified there what did you do to find work in your profession initially actually i did everything and one of the most things that made me confused was listening to every other people, you know, so every other person. People around me had different experiences and they gave me a lot of feedback and comments. And in many cases, they, they were contradicting each other. So I was very confused, okay? And I didn't even know how to uh, make a CV for myself, you know? Uh, actually, to be honest, after talking to you, I've realized that, you know, what is the correct pathway for me and how I should do it, you know, but I was really confused about everything because I received different comments and feedbacks from different people, you know, and, and I didn't know what to do or uh, how should I approach. And 
Uh, one thing that happened to me, I was talking to a friend in Melbourne and actually he introduced me to you for the first time. And um, when I started talking to you, I realized that, okay, this is how it works. And uh, I think for people who have, I've, I've tried at, in, in answering your question, I've tried everything. Okay. I've, tr I've tried going to, uh, going to uh, the companies. I tried to meeting people. I tried uh, online websites like Seek. I, I tried everything. Okay. But uh, the, I was lucky to be able to find, let's say, a career advisor like yourself, not a CV maker, but a career advisor. I really, and I, I still have a, a career advisor, but in my own field, who is my mentor now, okay? And mentorship is one of the things that you realize, oh, it is very strong in Australia, and it is, a, it is the most uh, positive uh, culture in uh, work environment. And, and you know, for, especially for professionals, having that relationship is very important, you know, especially for people like me who, who, who migrated. But uh, to answer your question, I did everything until right. I met you and I realized that, okay, what I should do to uh, optimize my search. Right, that's 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 uh, good to know. Now, when you said you were getting conflicting advice, was this advice coming from other architects, other skilled migrants, other careers advisors? Other skilled migrants, not 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 necessarily architects. Even architects, you know, they they have different opinion, but especially different uh, uh, skilled workers, you know. So let's say some of them say, okay, don't have don't have a CV more than two, I don't know, pages, blah, 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 blah. But now I think that all of them could be right for themselves, but all of them were wrong for me, you know. And now if you look at even my CV, it is five pages and I don't care. <laughs> you know, and I know yeah. that it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it does not matter. No. Uh, uh, but yeah, from other skilled migrants. So that's really important because this is something I, I try to get across to people all the time is that general advice to skilled migrants is not that useful. It's it's about the individual and what challenges you're facing. Um, and I think everybody's different. Every, the advice for different people will vary according to their situation. Now, you, you are an architect. What, what specifically are the challenges facing architects? Because it's not an easy transition for many people. It's not as if you're a software developer and the skills are basically the same, immediately transferable. What challenges face architects coming to Australia? Uh, architecture is a very challenging field of work in Australia. Uh, from and I'm saying it from the bottom of my heart, you know, if, you know, uh, it's, Sometimes you think that I'm unfortunate that I'm an architect I'm in Australia because the way it works here is very, very different from the rest of the world. Uh, first of all, you cannot call yourself an architect if you're coming from overseas because you're not registered as an architect, okay? So you can call yourself an architectural graduate no matter how many years of work experience you have. You cannot call yourself an architect because you're not registered. That's it, period. So you cannot apply for positions with the title of architect, you know? And, and, and nobody tells you that because you call yourself an architect. 
Yeah, that's and bizarre, yeah, isn't it? You could come from working on some of the biggest projects in the world, but arrive here and you're yes. not considered an architect. No, if the job is for an architect, it is for it, it is mainly for a registered architect. And what do you have to do to get that registration? Oh, I went through a lot of problem. But let me tell you something. For architects, uh, when you come here, you have to lower your expectations almost next to nil. Um, you start from drafting, okay? And it really depends, to be honest, which country you're migrating from. Are you migrating from the UK or are you migrating from, I don't know, let's say Brazil, okay? Because here, no matter what people say, your background, the language that you speak, the accent that you have, your gender, the color of your eye, everything matters. So if you're an immigrant from the UK, you might be dif treated differently uh, to, in compared to a person who's like, let's say coming from Colombia or, or you know, it's, and it's, it's, uh, uh, it might, it, it might, not look sound nice, but at the end of the day, these two cultures are more close to each other, you know, and you know they, they can relate better, you know. So it doesn't have to do anything with your qualifications or work work experience, okay? But when as an architect, when you come here, first of all, you cannot call yourself an architect, and you start you have to start working as a draft person. And they always look for local experience, and this is very annoying for me uh, up to some point it is acceptable but after that some so in many cases it gets too much let's say many of what we do is actually transferable from other countries because at the end of the day we are mainly working with software okay uh, so local experience nobody denies that it is important but when it comes to immigrants, local experience is the most difficult, challenging, uh, what do I say, barrier between you or, or obstacle, you know, to pass, uh, you know, that, that is the most challenging thing. Because if you are an immigrant, obviously you do not have the local experience. So, so and if, if, if you look at, uh, job advertisement they always look for local experience and this is it goes it defeats the purpose of finding a job because if i find if i want to find a job i need to have a local experience but if i don't want to have if i don't have a local experience then i cannot find a job up to some extent it is understandable even for me after seven years of being in australia and being registered if i come to new south wales they might not accept my application because I don't have the local experience that they are talking about in New South Wales, okay? So it is understandable because the legislation and regulations is different, but it gets, sometimes it gets too much. You can also transfer that as a code that Australian jobs for Australian people, because there is no way that immigrants can have local experience. And uh, uh, you have to, you have, you have to accept it and, you know, with your luck that's it that so, was so given, given that that uh preference for local experience particularly in in architecture how did you overcome this barrier mm. well uh, um first of all you need to be really lucky okay i know i know i know applicants who found jobs after three weeks 
and I found job after five months and some people could not find a job, you know? Uh, so you should not get disappointed, I guess, but through connections and network. Uh, I, I, in my, in architecture, I think that it is very unlikely to find a job through online, online application if you do not have any work experience, unless you're a graduate. Let's say you're a graduate coming to Australia, then graduates do not have experience at all, and that's okay, acceptable. But let's say as a 35-year-old man, when you migrate to Australia, a 35-year-old local Australian architect almost has 10 years of work experience, you know, and you need to realize that, and you're competing with them. So you need to, it is very unlikely to find a job through online uh, applications. I found it through uh, the career advisor in TAFE. So I went to TAFE to take a course just to get my feet at the door of the career advisor and, and, even, and even the tutor. So just to make connections. I, I didn't learn anything in TAFE. I knew everything and I knew more, but I only got the chance to meet people and those people offered me a job. And, and the job and the job was I was highly overqualified for that job. I had it, I had a PhD from one of the best universities, the University of Edinburgh, blah, blah, blah. And I was I started working as a draft person, working for a local builder, uh, building ugly warehouses. But I did it, you know, because I wanted a job. Was and this actually I've learned a lot, to be honest. I've learned a lot in those two first years. Was this job in Perth, your first job? Yes. I've actually tried to find a job in Melbourne. And it's interesting that as an immigrant, you're just floating on the ocean, you know? Just I tried to settle down in Melbourne for a few times. And in all circumstances, I found a job in Perth. <laughs> That's why I now live in Perth. Because I can actually, I, if you remember, I came to, to Melbourne and we had a couple of meetings, okay? And then I got a phone call from Perth because I went to TAFE in Perth. So if, if let's say if I was going, if I went to TAFE in Melbourne, I would have a different um, path in my life, you know? So that's how easy it works for an immigrant. Yeah, or maybe within the Melbourne TAFE, you might not have made that contact either. It's exactly, so, you know, so exactly. It's, it's so it's, fortuitous, yeah. you know, depending yes. on who you yes. meet, there's so many different variables. Yeah. It's very difficult. But, but to even do. though now, let's say now, if I, I, I'm a registered architect in Western Australia, if I want to go to Melbourne, I have to transfer my registration to, to, to Victoria, okay? And also, uh, I might be able to find a job through a job agency, but it is very unlikely that I find my job. I find a job for myself through Seek because they can sell me best, you know. But because I don't have the local experience that they ask, my applications might get re highly rejected, you know. So, so, so that's how important it is to have a local experience. So now imagine that you have, you come from overseas and you do not have local experience at all. But that's it. So. The difficulty between Western Australia and, let's say, Victoria or New South Wales and, and transferring between those states, is that an issue of uh, building codes and standards, planning yes, uh, is, procedures? What, what's, what's the critical element there that's different for the employer? Look, 
let's say for architecture, it has different phases, okay? Before design approval and after design approval, but mainly for the codes and planning and standards. That is the most challenging part. But uh, I now I am, I, what I've realized is that my main strength is computer software. And it is uh, very useful when you go to the post-design approval process. So let's say a building gets designed and it gets approval, and then now you need to document it, okay? That is the phase that gets the architecture company the most money because it's, it is the most time consuming and uh, that is the biggest profit of um, architecture companies. And that's why they usually prefer to hire, let's say highly skilled people and they are happy to pay you well because that phase is expensive. So let's say, I think I can find a job in Melbourne in that phase because I know how a building works. But if I wanna, find a job as a designer in Melbourne, I don't think that it would be easy because the codes and everything else would be different. So what's the um, position title generally for that post-design level? Uh, they call it, let's say, they call it Revit Architect or Documenta or yeah, Documenta and Revit Architect are, are the most, or, or even Senior Architect or Architect, you know? Arch so if you're not, if you're not registered, then, uh, they uh, usually apply. They usually uh, call it a documenter because because what you do is actually documenting a project. Right, and and on software, are you exclusively using Revit, or what other software applications do you use in your work? That's a tricky question. In Western Australia, everybody uses Revit. Okay, very few companies use Archicad. But what I've heard is that let's say in Sydney. A big portion of architects use Archicad. So it really de depends on which state you go to and what type of work you are doing. My understanding, I'm not sure if it is true or not. I might not be correct, okay? My understanding is that architects who work on single houses, especially in Sydney, they use Archicad. And big corporate companies use Revit. Right. That's it. And, and I don't know how to use, I only use Revit, you know, I've never, I've never felt the need to, you know, I, um, to Revit and AutoCAD, you know, just not Archicad or any other software. There are yeah. hundreds of software um, yeah, unfortunately yeah, sure. in architecture. You have always have, to, there is always a software that you can learn. <laughs> exactly. Now, Perth doesn't immediately come to mind when people think of interesting architecture, right? Yes. Um, so, so what sort of projects are you working on in your role? Well, um, first of all, any project that brings money to my pocket. Good. good. And after, after a while, you don't get fussy. That's it. <laughs> because you realize that, you know, 99% of projects are boring, you know, and architecture, you know, those beautiful buildings that you see, it's, it's very thin a percentage of the market. And if you want to rely on that, you will be out of job most of the time. Uh, but in Perth, I think, let's say I've worked on different cases. You know, I've worked on aged cares. I worked on child, I'm, I'm currently working on a childcare, a daycare. Uh, 
but uh, high-rise uh, apartments, you know, mixed-use apartments. But I think in Perth, let's say if you if you would like to mainly work on high-rise mixed-use developments, you have a better chance in Melbourne and Sydney. Perth is a, is a city of um, is the city of miners. So so there are lots of mines around Western Australia, and most of construction which is happening in Western Australia is supporting um, the mine industry, the mining industry. So uh, a lot of architects work on warehouses, workshops, service stations, you know, sheds, you know, the, the, the really, really ugly building, okay? But that is actually a big portion of the project that makes money for them because it is very straightforward. They document it, get rid of it, the builder builds it, and the miners use it, period, okay? But um, in, te in terms of, you know, other projects, let's say apartments, there are only a few uh, uh, architecture companies that are working in that field, and they only work on that field, you know, they don't work on any other field. So it really depends on what, uh, you should be open at the end of the day. You yeah. shouldn't be picky if you want to find a job and work experience and to find uh, a bit of cash in your pocket. So aged care facilities must be on the increase given the ageing population. Is that the case in Perth or not? It is. It is, and it is the most uh, interesting project I've ever worked on. Uh, and I wish I could only work on hospitals and aged care. You know, but unfortunately, uh, there is only a few companies uh, that are um, specialized in designing hospitals and, you know, aged care. Uh, to be honest, I've applied for them. Uh, I got rejected. That's it. They didn't accept me. So uh, I couldn't, I, I, I only worked on uh, one aged care building uh, and I was lucky to have it in my CV. But HKB, yeah, that's the, and and it's very profitable actually. So if you have, if you can go into that industry, it's perfect. Right, and very specific um, requirements. Requirements yes. for the use very, of space and so yeah. on. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, and not 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 everybody knows how to document. Right, that, 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 that's why it is very challenging, you know. And yeah, that's it. So you're you're in Perth still. Uh, are your plans to remain there, or do you intend to move to another city? I've I've tried. I have already tried to come to Melbourne a few times, but I think that it is not easy to relocate. Every time you relocate, you lose so your social connections, and it's like that. You're you're you go back to step one, uh, unless you find a proper job uh, and you, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I was actually looking to relocate to Melbourne, okay? But in architecture, I realized that um, uh, if, you find, if you have a job and living in Perth, you can manage your life better than if you have a job as an architect and living in Sydney and Melbourne because your income is not going to be different, but your living cost is going to be different. Yes, that's an important consideration. That is, that is an important. In the meantime, you should know that 
if you lose your job in Perth, it might take you a while to find another job because it's a boom and bust city. But in Melbourne, well, there are lots of vacancies, but there are lots of competitors, but there is a lot of you know opportunities also. But it's it's it not it is not an easy decision, you know. And I I don't think that it is your decision at the end of the day. I don't think that it is your decision. I think that you should be open and um, wherever the job takes you, you have to go. I don't think that you have a lot of room to no. maneuver, you know, in, in, in that area, especially when you first come here. You, do, you don't know anyone in any of the cities. It's very tricky. No, and, and once you do, you have to leverage your contacts. And yes. as you said, the social connections are important as well. Very important, yeah. What about... The difference between working for a firm or working for yourself. So you've had a little bit of a taste of both in Australia. Yes. Um, tell us about, you know, whether it would be possible for somebody to come here and just start out by themselves or would they need to try and get work with a company first? Oh, you can't um, start working for, straightforward for yourself because you don't know anything about anything as an architect, okay? Okay. Um, this is not a this is not a practical decision, and this is not a wise decision in my point of view. Unless you're rich, and you're you're happy to pay for that knowledge, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you want, if as a if if you're a professional skilled migrant, uh, it is very unlikely that you can find you can make your own job. You have to find uh, first of all. You need to. You don't have the local experience which is very important uh secondly you don't have the connections and uh, architecture uh, working in a firm when you work for a company uh it's working as an architect in a company is very exhausting is very you cannot compare that with working as an engineer at all okay if you work as an engineer you have a bit of flexibility but or you should come and see how architects work you know they work their ass off and you know they, it, and the, the, the payment is you know is not also as good as an engineer so no. it's the there, field there, that an expectation to, you put in a lot of hours right <laughs> yes yeah. you have to work a lot you know and let's say as an engineer if if you're graduates you get paid ninety dollars not ninety thousand dollars to start a job okay but as an architect, if, if you're a graduate, you get you start at 60, 65. Hmm. Okay. And a, a mid-level architect might get 100 k If you're good, you know, if you're a good documenter, you might get 120. Directors might get 150, 180. But a, but a, but a senior certified engineer might get 180, you know. So so that's that that's how deep, that's how uh, it is, you know, when you compare architecture. Because architecture, one thing that is really disappointing about Australia is that your registration doesn't bring you any authority. So let's say if you apply for a building license, a builder with a license needs to go and apply for a building license. Okay. So if you're not, if you don't, if you're not a registered builder, you cannot apply for a building license. But during that process, nowhere you are required to provide a registered architect's registration. Right. So the client can just give a draft person to draft their building. 
and they can go and get a BA and get a builder to apply for the building permit. And, you know, and actually that is why, at least in Western Australia, most architecture companies are drafting parties of the builders. Right. And that is, this is very disappointing. So, so but for, 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 let's say, if you're a, a structural engineer, when you get certified, you can actually use that certification because uh, for building license, a, a builder needs to provide the license of a structure engineer. Yep. That's so, so, yep, I understand. So you got registration fairly early on the piece. You're now well-established as an architect in Perth. Um, you've decided to go out alone. Is that correct? Yes, yes. I've decided not to work as a full-time employee anymore. So what, what are you hoping to to get from this? Because there are pros and cons with every type of employment. Yes. What, yes. what why, why did you decide to do this? Uh, look, uh, it, re it, it really depends on what you want and what level of life you want to achieve for yourself, okay? Uh, first of all, as an architect, uh, I couldn't... I couldn't handle the frustration of the work uh, anymore. I was too exhausted, okay? And I realized that uh, it doesn't get me anywhere, to be honest. You know, after 10 years, I could see myself still behind a computer. I'm still doing the same thing, okay? But the, but the interest, but the important thing is that you need to have a business plan for yourself. So I have started, I have started a practice for myself, okay? And I called it Omid Architects. Uh, but I'm not trying to get individual clients. I'm trying to do the same thing that I used to do for companies, but as a third party. So my clients are still builders and other architecture companies. And I sell them my drafting and documentation services. That's okay. it, okay? So I'm doing the same thing that I used, I, I, I was doing six months ago, but I'm doing it not as a full-time employee, but as a contractor. So, so you feel like you have a bit more control over your life, basically, I guess, do you? Yes. The, it brings me the flexibility, okay? Yeah. And one thing I've realized actually in Perth is that when you leave a company, you're dead with, for that company, okay? You're an evil. You're the bad guy because you left the company, okay? But let's say if you're a contractor and if you work for on a project and the project finishes and then you leave, Nobody gets that personal, you know, you, 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 you can still be in touch with them after a while because you've been doing your job, you finished the project and you moved on, that's it. And then in six months time, you can call them, okay, do you have any other project? If they have, they can give it to you, okay? But if you go and work for a company and then somehow you come out of that office, you lose that connection. But if you remain in that office, you don't get any other connection. Right. You know what I mean? You don't find any other country. I don't find that culture healthy. Hmm. So I prefer not to have, you know, everyone expects you to be a loyal employee while the employers are not loyal to you. That is why I decided, okay. I, but in the meantime, let's say I face a period of time that I don't have any job or any project or any clients. So I have to sit on, on my knee and that's it, you know, <laughs> and spend from my savings. So that is, the, that is, that is the, you know, pros and cons, you know? So if, 
it 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 brings both sides to your life. You know, it brings flexibility, it brings more life, but it brings more risk also. It depends on how prepared or how well equipped you are, especially from financial aspect, to deal with that with this matter. You know, hmm. but if you ask me why have you decided to go for that pathway, I'm gonna say flexibility, control in life, work-life balance, and I don't like the idea to be a company's asset. Right. You know? Well, it's good I you're want, in the position to be able to make that decision. That's that's great. Yes. Um, I, I, I want to collaborate with them, help them, not be owned by them. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about workplace culture there, but culture more broadly. Now, you've worked in the UK, Scotland, I think. Is that right? Or Yes. Um, and also in the Middle East? Yes. What's different about Australia? So imagine somebody hasn't arrived here yet not specifically about the architecture firms that you've worked with, but just culture in general. What do you think people coming from your part of the world originally might find a bit unusual or something they may have trouble, you know, um, adapting to initially? Well, um, apart from language, let's say, let's talk about culture. Okay. Because you might be good in English, but not knowing the culture when you're coming from overseas. So you might take a few courses so you can speak well, but because you haven't lived in Australia, you don't know the culture. Okay, so these are two different matters, language versus culture. Knowing the language helps you to understand the culture, but it doesn't, it's not equal, okay? Uh, it's uh, understanding people and how they react and act is very tricky, okay? Sometimes, uh let's let let me give you an example if i send someone an email asking to do asking them to do something for me let's say i send you an email uh applying for a job or i don't know or or you know requesting a meeting with you okay in my country if they don't want to meet you they will reply to you and say okay we are not able to meet you okay so yep. they will reply to you either way. But in Australia, they simply do not reply you if they, they do not want to meet you, you know? So that was a bit of shock for me and I couldn't understand it because I was, I said, I, I thought, okay, I, I sent this guy a, a, a meeting request via email. So I was even waiting for one week <laughs> to, to get a response, you know? But now I understand that if they don't, you know, get back to you with two days, it means no, that's it. They, they, they are not going to say no. They don't like saying no to people directly. So they just ignore, you know, if they want to meet you, they say yes. That's, that's a, as an example, okay? Yeah, so interesting now, example, yeah. That's yeah, I, I'm not sure if my, uh, my understanding is correct or not, but this is, this is my observation. But let's say uh, you, especially when you first come here, you want to have meetings with a lot of people, okay? You have a lot of requests from a lot of people. And in many cases, there's a silence there that you don't understand. That silence means no, don't follow, don't be pushy, okay? That's it, period. Uh, so even in, uh, so that type of culture, and there are a lot of minor things that I, it's not coming to my mind immediately, but you come here and you have to get along how it works, you know? Uh, every culture is tricky. 
I've had even from English-speaking people migrating from Scotland, migrating from Ireland, okay? Even, you know, these type of people who are fluent in English, they had a bit of culture shock when they came to Australia. You know, that mateship culture that you have in Australia, you know, it's, it's very different. And uh, I think uh, unless you work in an Australian culture, you do not understand it. So, so how do you deal with that? You know, I'm sure it must be frustrating having those interactions that you're, you're not getting what you're expecting in return. Um, how, how do you deal with that frustration? So first of all, you need to accept that you're an immigrant, okay? And then you understand, you have to understand one thing. This is one thing that I tell myself all the time. It is not a, uh, I don't know, it might sound sad, but it is actually positive. When you're migrating to another country, you already have lost everything, okay? So whatever you gain in your destination, it is a plus. So don't be sad, you know? If, you're, if you could find a job and you don't find that, that easy to mingle with people and socialize with people, don't get it personal. Just, just realize that you're an immigrant and you found a job, which is a plus. If you, could, if you could speak two sentences of English, it is a plus, you know? Whatever you gain in this country as an immigrant, it is a plus. It is an added value. If you look at that, you know, this way, then you do not struggle so much, you know, because you take it easy for yourself or you take it easy on yourself, you know. But at the end of the day, you have to realize that you have to work. The language is always barrier, an obstacle. I can speak, you know, this is the level of English I speak, okay? And you might say, oh, you're very fluent in English, but never is enough. As a, as a person whose first language is not English, never is enough. You know, it's just the more you learn, the better you understand. And I still find after 15 years of living overseas, I still find language, body language, cultural understanding, that, that these are the most challenging part of my life for networking, for socializing, for expanding my network, friends, everything, you know. And this is not something that you can overcome in one or two days or one or two even Yes, you know, it, 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 this is with me for the rest of my life because I'm, a, I'm an immigrant and you have to accept it, live with it. And it's not something you can learn from the outside in preparation either. So it, it, it's just through immersion in the culture and language that yes. I guess you start to feel more comfortable as, as things go on. So you're clearly a positive person. You've always been a positive person, do you think? Uh, say a glass half full. Do you know this saying? Yes, yes, yeah. Well, as opposed uh, to a glass half empty. I'm, well, actually, I'm not known. I'm not well known from being for being positive, but I'm well known for being very realistic. You know, I'm very good at analyzing the conditions and situations and uh, putting them putting the most complicated situations in the most in the simplest words. You know, so I can. This is this is my skill. Actually, I can see the reality. I can I can simplify it, and I can find a get a, 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 an exit way from that situation right. because I can simplify it. If you if you don't simplify, so it doesn't mean that I'm 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 positive or negative, you know, because I I see both actually. But uh, if you don't if if you complicate the situation, you can never 
find the exit. But you have always to you know, find, simplify it. Which makes your alternatives clearer, I guess, about yes. what you're choosing, you know? Yes. So, look, I think that's really valuable advice and i i think people many people listening to this will will take heart with what you're with what you're saying just before we finish up is there anything you've talked a lot about uh architecture you've talked a lot about differences in culture and, and workplace culture is there any advice you would give to somebody looking for work in australia so maybe they've just arrived um, maybe in a similar situation to you with a little bit of experience, or maybe they're planning to emigrate but haven't yet. Is there a piece of information that you haven't shared yet or something you'd like to emphasize? Lower your expectations. Hmm. If you do not lower your expectation, lower your expectation and be smart in money. I've seen people that were struggling finding a job and they decided to get a second job or a temporary job, I don't know, working in calls or, I don't know, working as an Uber driver, I don't know, something that to get them going, okay? And that became their main job in Australia. Whatever you present yourself, people here accept you for what you present of yourself, okay? And the most important thing for me is that your first job, defines the pathway to the next job and next job and the next job. It is not easy to change jobs or even in, 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 or even in one, uh, uh, let's say, industry, if you want to go from one field to another field, it is not easy in Australia. I don't know why, but it is not easy. Let's say I most of my experience is for commercial, okay? If I want to go and design a single house and I don't have the experience of designing a single house, they don't accept me. Although the buildings that I have designed and documented are far more complex than a single house. And vice versa, if, if, if someone else was designing a single house and they wanted to come and work for, I don't know, uh, a, a commercial project, they don't simply uh, uh, accept that application, you know? unless there's a really lack of or shortage of workforce. So this is very important. I, I was lucky to that my first job was in commercial sector as an architect, okay? I could, I could find uh, a job in a single house and I would be a single house designer, you know? So focus on the first job because that first job gets you to the second job and gets you to the 10th job, okay? And actually, you advised me that I, I, I remember that exactly uh, that uh, this conversation that they asked you whether I go and work for Coles and Woolworths for a short period of time. OK, and you told me that if you can handle it without doing it, if you don't need the money, don't do that because you cannot focus 100 percent on finding a job. And that gives you a level of comfort zone to loosen up and not to be determined as much as possible. And I've seen people that they didn't uh, or they couldn't find the relevant job to their skill sets and they became someone else. That, as, that, that just that easy. That's it. That's very easy. It happens very easily in Australia. Mm. Yeah, and look, that still happens. I'm still meeting people who've been in their so-called survival job 
uh, for yes. years, and then yes. you basically lose your profession when you've been in it for too long. So it becomes your main job. That's right, and you, you have don't, to accept. Don't want Uber. that to happen. You, yeah, you you have to accept your new identity. You're not an architect anymore. You're an Uber driver. It's there's no there's nothing wrong with being, being an Uber driver on as well as you accept it. But if you you call yourself an architect, but you're doing an Uber driver, working as an Uber driver to survive, then there's a challenge. You know, mm. something is not right. Well, congratulations first of all on on your journey. Um, Thank you. Difficult at the start. You you you've done some amazing work, and now you're branching out to. Uh, work independently, which is admirable. Um, really fantastic job there, Ahmed. You've done a, an excellent job. And I think the advice that you give for people uh, will be taken well. Thanks for doing this. Um, well, thank you. Well, since we met, we need to catch up next time you're in Melbourne. Um, sure. I probably won't be over in Perth. It's a long way. <laughs> yes, I understand. Nothing here to see anyway. <laughs> once you see it once, that's enough for your life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a beautiful place, though. I mean, there are yes, some lovely yeah, you places. To, you, you have to visit it, but if you visit it once and that's it, that's good enough for you because it's far away from everywhere. Yeah, it is far away. The climate, I would say, though, is excellent. Would you agree? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It's a very beautiful, peaceful place. Yes. All right. Thank you. And good luck and hope to talk again in the future. Thanks, Omid. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Have a nice day. OBP Australia provides guidance and support with job applications and approaching employers, industry awareness, interview coaching, and language and communication. You'll also be introduced to your professional peers already working in Australia so you can get the lowdown on what's happening in your industry or profession. If you're looking for guidance and support to find your next job, email me at terry at obpaustralia.com.au. Let's talk.